Yo, 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 we're back. Novelty Growth, Novelty Voice Podcast. What um, up, Novelty Growth? What's good? How you doing? Yo, I'm here with uh, Drew Stein. Um, for those of you who don't know, first, my name is Adam Karendang, the host here, uh, CEO, co-founder of uh, Novelty Growth. You know, with Novelty Voice here, we're trying to provide a platform for people to really share their story, um, you know, get get their vision out there, their goals, their dreams, and really just understand, you know, the true grind of things. So, um, you know, like I said, we're here with Drew Stein, you know, his background's in sales and entertainment, you know, consulting and artist management for Taylor Gang, Atlantic Records. Um, if you guys know Chris Hollis, Chris Dreamer, you know, in his past, he's done client relations for several law firms, sales consulting for Sprint Corporation, um, and he is working for a whiskey company called Uncle Nearest, and we'll get all into this and go dive deep into it, but yo, what's good? How you doing, bro? I'm good, bro. I um, just got back to Indianapolis. Where were you at? I was in Los Angeles for a few days. Okay. Do you, yeah. do, do, you do a lot of traveling? Man. I, I tell people that I'm a nomad. <laughs> a nomad. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a nomad. I, I live on the road. But um, no, Indianapolis is home. Um, this is where I grew up. A lot of my family is from Indianapolis. My mom's from here. Um, man, first cousins everywhere around the city, my brothers. Um, so part of my childhood, I spent here in Indy. Were you born here? No, I was born in Los Angeles. Oh, dope. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I lived there until I was five. And then my parents split, and my mom got custody of me and my two older brothers. And she's from being from here. Mm-hmm. She wanted to go back to school, and her mom was here, and it was a good support system. So she she moved back home, and me and my two older brothers, when we were just young kids, we uh, set up shop in Indianapolis. So it was a just being five and remembering like Los Angeles, California. Like we had like a big house. Like my dad's a uh, an attorney, he's a 27 year trial lawyer. Um, you know, he had like a lot of money at the time, and he had like a, we had like a really big house. Mm-hmm. And then, fast like out of nowhere, we moved to Indianapolis. Like, I mean, Indiana, like super cold, seeing snow for the first time, and like culture I'm a, shock. Yeah, but I'm only five though, yeah, so it's yeah. like, it's like, well, okay, this is just like what's happening. You know, it's like you're not really too. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but like looking back, it was like a huge change in my life. But it was dope though. Like I got to um I got to travel as a kid. Um my dad had visiting rights. I went and saw my pops like every summer break, winter break, like spring break, I would go out and see him. And I always just had a deep connection with Los Angeles, which is California and the whole vibe out there. I always just felt like this is the way that life should be like mm-hmm. this is just like where it's at so, so when are I, you gonna move there though oh i've lived i've lived in la on and off okay. um, i was gonna say when i was 16 i had about enough indianapolis and <laughs> i was um no seriously i was um just getting into a lot of the a lot of the wrong things um here in indy but i was just you know i was a young teenager i mean yeah, i feel like figuring it out yeah my mom was in medical school you know, my mom went back to school, ended up becoming a uh, a physician in internal medicine. Super proud. Shout out my mom. She's like a superhero. It's like the woman I look up to more than anybody in this world, man. My mom's dope. What's her name? Her name is Dr. Veda LaFrance 
Durstein. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> and she is right here in Indianapolis. So if you're an indie and you need to see an internal medicine physician, just holla at me. She's actually retired, but she does like a lot of um like personalized diet plans. She uh does a pre-diabetes course for the Indiana University School of Medicine, and she also does it for her church as well. And it's just um you know, to uh, raise awareness for pre-diabetes, uh, it affects 51% of Americans. Um, so, and then in the African-American community, my mother's African-American, by the way, I'm biracial. My mom is African-American. My dad is Jewish. He's half Lithuanian, half Russian. So like, and he's from Pittsburgh and my mom's from India. So it's like, we're all over. Um, but yeah, so yeah, shout out my mom. Like I said, anyone in the area, Get with me if you just she's the best. Hit her up. Yeah, hit her up, man. <laughs> she's gonna yeah. Well, that's a whole other conversation. But right on, right on. Um, but yeah. So she um she she just was uh she was like yeah, it's probably it's probably a good idea for you to move. Like so, where'd you you moved to Indiana? Where'd you go to school? What's up, man? <laughs> um, I was a Washington Township kid, so I grew up on the east side of Indianapolis. Shout out all my East Siders. It's like, no, nah, I'm just playing. <laughs> no, nah, um, I grew up like right in the Devon, Devonshire neighborhood. Okay. If you're like real familiar with Indiana. My uncle lives in Devonshire. Yeah, that's like, I call it the hidden, one of the hidden gems of the city city. Like it is, it's not, it's not Geist. It's not Carmel. It's not, it's, it's in the city. But it's like, it's like a hidden gem. It's like just ducked off it's like by the state fairgrounds and whatnot mm-hmm. i grew up over there and it was on the border it was the last neighborhood that um washington township stretched to so i went to uh allisonville elementary eastwood middle school and i went to north central for two years like i went with uh eric gordon okay yeah, was yeah. going there he was like a year older than me so but you graduated in high school when i graduated in 09 i was supposed to graduate in 08 but like i said i was really Mess it up okay. here in Indy. So yeah, I went when I moved to LA. <clears throat> I uh, had to do some classes over. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, but so kind of fast forward here, I guess to present day. So give people a little, you know, now who who is Drew? How young are you? You know, how would you describe yourself as a person? Um, I would describe myself as a very collaborative person. Um, I'm a very creative person. Uh, I like to get stuff done. I'm very about my business, but it just through the course of my 20s, I just turned 29. So yeah, I'm still in my 20s, 29 years young, for sure. But um, one thing that I learned is that, um, you know, sometimes it's better to... Um, Focus on yourself and what makes you happy, what makes you tick when it when it comes to your career, mm. as opposed to um, doing things just for the money. Like and you know whatever odd jobs that you you have, you have to work to get you to where you want to go. I mean that's to be understood. I'm a firm believer in the working man, and I have nothing but respect for anybody that is working. Like if you're working, you're trying. Like, I got nothing but respect for you. But if you're just sitting around thinking that, you know, things are owed to you and like whether you have a silver spoon or not, like you have to you have to know how to support yourself if nobody was helping you, if you didn't have a safety net. So like but 
like I said, I'm I'm very uh, I'm a very firm believer in uh, just doing things that you love to do and being pa- have passion. Passion rules my life, so it's like whether you're working overnights, doing security, parentheses, that's a job that I've done, done before, mm-hmm. or you're, um, you know, working for Sprint or Verizon Wireless or in the telecommunications industry, or whether you're in the, whether you're in college or whatever you're doing, it's like have that plan in your mind of like what you want to do and money that you make, people that you meet. It's just like gonna continue your journey and then getting there. And then once you're there, it won't even feel like you're working. You find what you love to do, you'll never work again. You know, and that's it, that's just what it is. So to give you a, just a brief timeline, um, 2009, I finished up high school. I got accepted into the University of Pittsburgh. Um, shout out my Pitt Panthers. Shout out Larry Fitzgerald, who went to kill it in Arizona. He's, he's an alumni. Um, you got Aaron Donald with the Rams now. He's going crazy. But, yeah, I'm a big Pitt sports fan. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I ended up going to Pitt um, 2009 to 2013. And uh, while I was out there, I was actually a political science major. Um, one thing a lot of people don't know about me is that I actually interned and clerked for then-Senator Hillary Clinton. Really? In 2008. I was 18. Okay. Yeah. How'd you get how'd you get that? Um man, I was just like really involved in the um Clinton campaign. She was running for president at the time, um, down in Florida. I was like super involved with that. And uh I just met the right people, man. Like there was an opportunity for an unpaid internship in DC and that was my passion at the time. I was very into politics and yeah, I got it, man. It was it was awesome. I spent a whole summer in D.C. working under her in her office. It was her last year as senator. Um, so I was in 08. Um, so, yeah, I was a poli sci major. Like, and I wanted to, I was on the track. I wanted to go to law school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, life had other plans for me. So you were 18 years old and you graduated college 21, 22? No, 19. 19? Yeah. Okay. I was a rising senior. So I was like about to go into my senior year. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And so what happened then? <laughs> you know, going to law, you wanted to go to law school. Um, Which I, take, I still do. Okay. Yeah. I'm, once I have the um, luxury of time and I don't have a million different projects I'm working on, I'm definitely going to go back and get my law degree in entertainment law. Mm-hmm. No questions asked. That's okay. Yeah, I like, see how that fits in perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so save, how, it'll save me a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Now you sure. keep paying all these lawyers. How did you get into all these projects then? You know, let's say 19 years old, okay, you, you turn, you're 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the music industry is something, you know, you're heavily into right now. Was that first? What, what was first? My love for music. Yeah, that, that starts actually... Way back. Yeah, that starts probably like... You got to go back to like 12 years old, 11 I used to be an artist, actually. Okay. What, yeah. kind, what kind of artist? I was like, a rapper. Okay. Yeah, I was a dope rapper, in my opinion. <laughs> hey, but if you ask anybody... Do you, got, that, do you got songs out there? Yeah. Okay. Down, those, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> hope, I hope you didn't find those, man. Okay, cool. I was just playing out there. 
Yeah, talking about some stuff I shouldn't have been talking about. So <laughs> if my son was talking about it, he'd be in big trouble. Yeah, yeah. Like, what did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, just a quick, uh, just a quick, ins- you know, inside scoop into my background. So like, yeah, man, I grew up in Indianapolis. Um, I was the youngest always. Like, um, my grandma's house where I grew up. It was me, my two older brothers, and then my four immediate uh, first cousins. So it was my uncle Reggie's, rest rest in peace, Uncle Reggie. It was my uncle Reggie's four boys, and this was my mom's little brother. And he had four sons, and then my mom had three sons, so it was seven of us. Mm. And I was the second youngest out of the seven, and we all grew up together. Um, We were into Ninja Turtles, (laughs) heavy, I was Michelangelo. We were into the Ninja Turtles really heavily, and uh, we were into um, we we're into music like so heavy. I grew up on like the Diplomats, um, Three Six Mafia. My cousin, my older cousins, was listening to like all the South. Oh man, the South was just going crazy, like Outkast and like uh, Ti was going nuts. Um, UGK was being played. Um, so that was like my, my, my older cousins who were like in their mid late thirties now. So I was listening to that around them, but then my parents were playing some whole, some whole other stuff. Like my mom listened to a lot of funk and soul and like, I mean, I'm talking like George Clint and the, and the Funkadelics, um, fucking, excuse my language, uh, <laughs> Nat King Cole or Diana Ross and the Supremes or like, you know what I'm saying? Just like all of this like soul. It was just like, I remember hearing it as a kid. Just be like, man, like, this is just amazing. Like, yeah, just listening the to the, yeah, to those like love songs, mm-hmm. like, and stuff like that. And just, man, there's like so many, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire was like big in my household. Um, the Commodores, the Ohio players, like all these classic songs. Yeah, he knows about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Earth, Wind, and Fire. For those of you who don't know, yeah. there's a giant window in front of us. The, there's going to be a video, but the uh, the podcast listeners, there's a giant window in front of us. There's people walking by past the uh, the circle, the monument circle. So if you hear us kind of talking to random people, that's who we're talking to. <laughs> Sorry, go on, go on. No, no. So, um, <clears throat> so that's what I was listening to in Indianapolis. Then I would go to Los Angeles and see my dad. Mm-hmm. My dad grew up in Pittsburgh. By the way, my dad went to Taylor Autodice. My dad went to the same high school as Mac Miller. That's dope. Yeah. Rest in soul. R- rest in R- soul. R- yeah. R- yeah. R- that was like, that's something we'll get into, man. That's something that deeply affected me. Shout out Mac Miller, my brother. Shout out to you, man. Um, I was real cool with a lot of his camp. Mm-hmm. We all came up together in Pittsburgh. So like, like Mac Miller and Chris Hollis went to the same high school. Like, Chris's and Mac Miller videos like from way back in the day so like yeah that was that was crazy like we Pittsburgh definitely lost a legend the world lost a legend man like rest in peace Mac Miller but um no nah, like I said we'll get into that but um yeah my dad just being you know just a different part of my background he was listening to like the the Beatles Led Zeppelin Pink Floyd you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. all of that shit and he was like put me on that when I was like 12, 13 years old. But remember, I'm spending 80% of my year listening to 
36 Mafia yeah. and Dipset and like, you know, like Lil Wayne and like all this stuff. So I'm just like, and like, oh, funk and soul. So like, I'm like listening to this amazing rock and roll music, which I, I love to this day. I was just listening to Achilles Last Stand when I was in LA. If anybody knows Led Zeppelin, Achilles Last Stand is 10 minutes long. That song is, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. You listen to it every day, don't you? Nah. <laughs> I went through, so when I was like, turning myself around academically. You know, I had a 4.0 my junior, senior year of high school. I really turned it around to get myself into college. Like, I wasn't really listening to rap. Like, when I left Indianapolis, like, I, get, I stopped listening to hip-hop. And I started listening to, like, Nirvana and, like, Pink Floyd and, like, all of this, like, just very introspective music and got into, like, psychedelic rock and stuff. And, like, bro, like, I learned a lot about myself, like, I was like, yo, like, I really like this shit, like, and it's like a focus music, man, like, you know, there's a time and place for every kind of music, but, like, to this day, like, I make sure if I'm getting into, you know, too deep into my thoughts or anything like that, like, I make sure to listen to that, so. <coughs> no, you're good. So, I guess you're having roots in Pittsburgh, you met all these people, when, where, how, you know, how'd you get affiliated with, you know... Uh, these guys that you grew up with? So, like I said, um, my love for music started, as you now know, at a very early age. <clears throat> um, and I was an artist, so I made my own music. Mm -hmm. I was in the studio at 15 years old making songs. Oh, wow. Like, original songs, like with my brother, my cousins, like who are all still involved with the music industry to this day. I was making songs with them. But then, like I said, I... I put it all, I set it all on the shelf mm -hmm. because I had to get my life together. Yeah. So I was like, my rapper dreams, I was like, yo, I'm going to just put this on a, on a back burner. So I moved to LA, get my shit together with school, go to Pittsburgh. Now I'm 19. Freshman at Pitt, whole nother world. Mm -hmm. I had just been in the house for two years, like getting myself out of like these a 1.0 GPA cumulative at North Central. <laughs> North Central High School, shout out North Central High School. Y'all probably still got my transcript on deck. Just know that that wasn't me, man. I was, I was just a stupid teenager. I turned it around, if anybody remembers me. <laughs> it's like, no. But um, so I get to Pittsburgh, man. And mind you, I've been going to Pittsburgh my whole life. Mm -hmm. My whole life. My, my grandparents... That's on my dad's side. My dad's mom and dad, they lived in Pittsburgh. I would go see them. <clears throat> That's where my dad was from. So I had family that I would go see in Pittsburgh. So, like, it didn't feel like I was, like, in a new city. It felt like I was, like, finally able to experience the city as an adult. Mm. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I get there. I'm going through, uh, going through my freshman year. I'm doing well. You know, and I'm partying too, like, and I'm like, I'm like, yo, like, this is crazy. Like, it was this, man, that, Mac Miller has a song on his, on his late, on his last album, Swimming, it's called 2000, it's called 2009. Wiz, Wiz Khalifa and Currency have been working on a project for a few years that is titled 2009. Chris Dreamer got a couple songs on there. Y'all heard it first from me. 
Dope. Yeah. <laughs> that when that comes out, it's gonna go crazy. There's an underlying concept here of 2009. <clears throat> 2009 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I'm sure in a lot of different, all over the world, it was just an amazing year. It was a year of just progression and like new beginnings, man. You saw Drake start to come into his own, J. Cole, uh, Wiz Khalifa, all these new artists, man. It was a new generation of cats that were coming into the spotlight. And then a lot of the old stuff was like going, like that was the past. It was a special year, man. Mm -hmm. It was a special year. There was a, a old lounge that's closed now called the Shadow Lounge. Shout out the Shadow Lounge in Pittsburgh. The Shadow Lounge, you went there, it was an 18 and over lounge. It was like a club, but they did live music performances. You would go there on any given weekend. You would see Mac Miller perform. He was a local artist just trying to get it popping. Yep. You would go there, you would see Wiz perform. You would go there, you would see all these local Pittsburgh guys perform. Pittsburgh started to get this sense of unity. Even on the production side, you had guys like Big Germ, who has made so many just fire beats for Taylor Gang and abroad. Big Germ was doing his thing. You had, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with ID Labs. I don't think so, no. ID Labs is the studio where uh, like Wiz and Mac recorded like all of, like all those records that they put out that went okay. platinum. There's a guy that owns the studio. His name is E. Dan. E. Dan is the owner of ID Labs. He has made so many beats for both Wiz and Mac. Good friends with Mac Miller. Good friends with Wiz. He's 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 just a genuine dude. I met him a few times in LA at the studios. But this is this was all going on in 2009. Mm -hmm. Top of 2010, Black and Yellow drops. Wiz goes crazy. 2011, uh, Donald Trump comes out, mm. and Mac Miller blows up. Yep. Funny tidbit about Mac. And this is why it's just so crazy that he's gone. Like, I used to live across the street from Mac Miller. In Pittsburgh? Yeah. Okay. So in 2010, that was my second year in college. Yeah. I um, opted out of living on, on campus. And I was like, I'm going to live off campus. Me and my friend was like, we're going to get a house. We got a house on Niagara Street. Shout out Niagara Street in Pittsburgh. Right across the street from the McGee's Women's Hospital. We got a house there with $700 a month. It's the first house I've ever rented in my life. 700 bucks, man, for a whole two-bedroom house with a basement. Crazy deal, especially with Pittsburgh. Across the street was Tree J. Tree J, it was Mac Miller's, like, homie. Like, and he, he was the one that, like, did, like, the YouTube channel. It was called Tree J TV. And I think they've topped over like a billion views oh, yeah. to this yeah, day yeah. on for YouTube. Tree J was living across the street. And I remember like it was yesterday. I moved in. It was summer. It was no, it was fall. It was September <clears throat> 2010. I got my keys. It was moving day. Pittsburgh is very, very, very hilly. Mm -hmm. I'm walking up the steep hill and I'm walking up the hill. And uh, like I, I'm just a very like just. Like I said, I just like to meet new people and I just like to work with people. So like, you know, I was walking up the street and their house was to the right and our house was to the left. And I saw them. They were all smoking on the porch. And I kind of like 
gave him the head nod, and then Tree J walked down the stairs, and I like introduced myself. I was like, "Yo, what's good? My name's Drew. I just moved in on the block, like yada yada yada. Like we neighbors." He's like, "Yeah, what's good, bro?" Like I was like, "Yo, y'all need anything? Y'all just let me know." Fast forward a few months later, our rent was due. Me and my roommate at the time, Jay Kenzie, who ran track for Pitt. What's up, Jay? If you if you ever see this, man, what's, what's good, man? That dude is doing his thing now. Um, but yeah, shout out Jay Kenzie. That was my roommate. He ran track for Pitt. We were broke. And our rent was due. <laughs> so we were like, fuck, how are we gonna how are we gonna pay our rent? So he was like, let's throw a house party. I was like, mind you, we didn't have any furniture. And it's like two months after we moved in, we only had like mattresses upstairs that we like got from the Goodwill. <laughs> He's like, bro, let's throw a party. I'm like, yo, honestly, at this point, we got to try to do something. So yeah, let's do it. Facebook was like the only social media like really popular. So like we put out on Facebook. I mean, I've never really been like a big social media person, <clears throat> but but Jason, he was big on Facebook. So he he, he put the word out. He was like, yo, party, party this this Saturday, 3326 Niagara Street, pull up, $5, pull up, jungle juice, all that. <laughs> yo, he tweeted it out. Guess who retweeted it? Mac, Mac Miller. Miller. Okay. He lived across the street. Dope. They knocked on our door. They're like, yo. <laughs> What's good? They're like, yo. I'm like, I didn't realize it was Mac. I was like, oh, shit. Like, he had just dropped kids. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he was, like, popping, but he wasn't, like, out there, like, yeah, all the way. But, yeah. like, he was popping, especially in Pittsburgh. Like, he was 18. He just graduated from high school. Like, he tweeted it out. He, you know, he retweeted it. We made over $1,000 at the house party. Okay. And it was nuts. <laughs> so yeah. was that the start of, like, this entrepreneurial shift? Or did you always have that in your mind? I always had it. Okay. I, always, I, yeah, I always had it, man. I had a candy store when I was like 10 years old, man. I was just I trying to sell candy. But like, I didn't, I was just so young at that point. And like, I didn't know anybody in Pittsburgh. But like, so many people came out and show love. And it was just awesome. And everybody was talking about it on campus after that. They're like, yo, like, that party was crazy. Yada, yada, yada. When y'all throwing the next one. So me and Jason looking at each other like, yo, we need to like start doing this like, on a regular so we start throwing house parties regularly we end up getting in trouble at our last house party I got a disorderly conduct the Pittsburgh PD they came and shut it down finally <laughs> you know everything good must come to an end <clears throat> so the Pittsburgh PD came they shut it down I got a disorderly conduct I, try, I represented myself in court I tried to beat it and the judge was like you know you're very well spoken, Mr. Stein, but I'm gonna give you the disorderly conduct. I was like, dang. So, but yeah, that was the end of that. But that sort of, to your point, it opened my mind to just how one idea, how just thinking outside of the box and collaborating, mm -hmm. right? I collaborated with my roommate and then I just, introduce myself something as simple as an introduction to mac miller and those guys and they're just looking at i'm just you know like they're just we're all people yeah like, yeah so and then they looked out and like spread the word for us so it was, 
it, it taught me a lot of things, man. Like at a young age, I was like, okay. So the next year, I did not re-enroll and, and I didn't register for classes because I was an out-of-state student and it was really expensive and my dad was paying for it and then he was not in a position to pay for it anymore. So I took a hiatus from school, but I was still in Pittsburgh. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw parties. So that's what I did. House parties? Or? club. I started, I got into uh, throwing club events. So and this is once I tell when I tell you what my friends are doing now today, mm-hmm. it's just I just the trajectory of like everyone from Pittsburgh who was like putting putting in the groundwork back then, and then what they're doing now. I'm so proud of everybody that we all came up together, and that's why the losing Mac was just so hurtful mm-hmm. um, because he reached back and he helped so many of his friends, and these are guys that I know that I used to work with. Um, somebody in particular um, is uh, Ezekiel Nicholson. Uh, he is uh, JID's manager. He also manages Hardo Earth Game. Yeah, you familiar with them? Mm-hmm. JID is on Dreamville. Got you. Yeah, he um he's super dope. He's super dope. He was about to yeah yeah he knows. He was about to he was he was the opener for the swimming tour. Okay. Yeah, that Mac was about to go on. Um, so his manager and I used to throw club events together. His manager, he had an imprint called Fab Five Entertainment. That was in Pittsburgh. They did concerts and events for Wiz. They did concerts and events for Mac, a lot of different guys. Um, and then I ended up linking up with, with a a good friend of mine still to this day named uh, Jim Jim Bay Peary. Shout out Jim Bay. He's in, he works in the hospital management now, has a great career. He was going to a small liberal arts college in the, in the area around the time. And uh, him and I started the Stein Peary Agency. So it was an LLC, um, which it really didn't need to be an LLC. <laughs> you just want to be pretty, like, <clears> official. <throat> I was just very young and like I was just like LLC, like that just sounds like a business. So like we started an LLC and then I started to learn like an LLC is like for like that's something you form if you have a whole ass company, like with <laughs> employees on a payroll and like things like that. You gotta pay like an annual fee. Like I didn't need to have an LLC, but it was just kinda <laughs> funny, like it was like the Stein period agency LLC. But we were we uh we were throwing parties with, with Fab Five. And they were crazy, bro. Like, we would throw, like, the homecoming, official homecoming parties. We would do concert after parties. Like, they were they were crazy. Like, this was, like, 2011, 2012, like, around that time. Did you only do it for two years? or Yeah, I only, I only did it for two years because I ended up moving to South Florida. Okay. I got an opportunity to work for this law firm down in West Palm Beach. <clears throat> and I was just ready to, like, move my move my career forward. I wanted to you know, make something of myself. Like the the club the club stuff was cool. It wasn't paying the bills like I wanted it to. Yeah. But how many connections did you make while doing that? The networking aspect of it. Well that's how so the Stein Period Agency, we did the events, we we collaborated with Fab Five a lot, but that's how we actually got that's how I got into artist management. Okay. So the concept behind the Stein Period Agency was that we would 
we would do um, we would provide a platform for um, just the 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 youth of Pittsburgh, like our demographic, mm-hmm. to showcase whether it was partying or music or artists, <clears throat> whatever. That's how I met. So the how I met Chris Hollis or KH, we all know him as KH. And anybody who's been following Chris for a long time, he, he went by KH for a lot, a lot, but I would say like the first half of his career. But I met KH um, throwing house parties. My roommate, so my next year with Jay, with Jason, the, the track runner, we got more roommates and we got an even bigger house. Okay. So one of my other one of my other one of my new roommates, he was a DJ, and he became um, he became like KH's official DJ. So KH came to the house this one night, and we just like shook up, and it just like felt like it felt like I already knew this dude. It was mm-hmm. crazy. I had never met him before. Introduced myself. He introduced himself. He, I kind of like had seen his videos. Like I remember like uh, Wiz Wiz like tweeted like a video that he had like way back in like 2012 and that's when Wiz was like blowing up yeah so everybody was like yo who's this cage dude like and he was dope but like we did concerts like we put concerts on and he would perform and I just thought it was really really dope and um I was like yo like I'm starting this this management company like you know I want to bring you on board and you know I didn't it was the beginning of what I was doing and he was just like let's let's get it like and we was like, all right, and we just was grow. We we grew together. Um, and I, and I, in 2015, uh, after I stopped working for the law firm, the lawyer I was working for got disbarred. It's crazy. Um, so I yeah, I needed a new job, mm-hmm. <clears throat> obviously. So I started working for Sprint, and but I. Always knew, I always knew back in the back of my mind what I was working toward. Yeah, like your passion, what you talked about earlier. So I would take the money that I'll make from Sprint, whether I would get a commission check for like three, four, five thousand dollars, and then like I would like invest it back into Mo, into Most Crew, which is our independent um, management company, and we put on our own tours for KH back in like. 2014 we were doing shows man i remember like we did a show down in lake worth florida like there was like probably like 30 people there and they were we we just we took it in stride man like they they were feeling the music man like even back then and we we would talk about it we're like man we do bigger shows like this is you know what i mean we'll remember this yeah fast forward to 2015 we uh, went to South by Southwest. It was our first time going down. It's like down in Austin, Texas. Everybody here is South by. 2015. That's actually uh, that's actually the first. The, that's actually when I met Wiz. We uh, pulled up on Wiz down there. That's actually the the last year that Wiz even attended South by Southwest. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Which was crazy. He did like that's when he started DJing. Yeah. yeah as yeah. like DJ Daddy Cat and all of that and like. Man, it was like crazy lit. It was wild. But but KH was performing. He was opening up for Wiz on like a lot of the shows. And the crowds were getting bigger and bigger. And we were just starting to see like, yo, like. It's happening. Yeah, like, yeah, we're putting in this work. And we're starting to see it pay off, man. It was super cool. Um, 
and it was like motivating to keep going. So anyways, I started a partnership. The Stein Perry Agency was no more. Mm-hmm. My, my my partner, Jim Bay, he took his career elsewhere. He, he Like I said, the hospital management, which he's doing to this day, he's killing it. Like I said, shout out my bro. But it, it left me on an island by myself. And I'm like, yo, like, damn, like, what am I going to do now? Like, you know, I don't have the, I don't have the, this agency anymore, but I had learned so much, you know, in those two and a half, three years. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I knew I didn't want to do an LLC again. There was no reason. And this was like 2015. So how old were you then? 2015. I'd have been 24, 25. Yeah, okay. So Chris Hollis and I, we started most most grill global enterprises in 2015 and it's a active entertainment company to this day anything that i do in the entertainment industry is under is under that okay um anything i do in entertainment is under that most grill like i said it's it's a group in pittsburgh it's a group of like-minded individuals um Stemming from different neighborhoods, primarily Hazelwood. Um, Hazelwood is where Wiz is from, Sledrin, Chris. I mean, a lot of it's, it's like a big fan. It's like they're all family. And I just like, you know, I just became a part of that family. Mm-hmm. And I consider all of, all of them to be family of mine, um, my extended Pittsburgh family. But we uh, we started Most Grill Global. And... Uh, the following year, we were offered a, a recording contract from Taylor Gang, um, distribution through Atlantic Records at the time, um, and yeah, it was it was a, it was a great day. When was that? It was at the end of 2016, so it would have been like uh, been like December. Okay, where we officially signed. So let me ask you this: What is it like? Because obviously everyone knows Taylor Gang, right? And what is it like? You know, just hanging out with them, um, their culture, what they've created. You know, they're a very close family, like you said. Being yeah. in the music industry, knowing, you know, from Pittsburgh, um, living there, knowing Wiz, what's that like? Um, I think to your point with them with just family. Mm. I think family family is one of the one of the biggest um constants in Taylor Gang. Um I think one thing that needs to be noticed and needs to be um you know touched on with that is that <clears throat> there's not very many entertainment groups or, or or labels or anything like that that are that close-knit i mean these guys have been working together since you know 2000 and whatever yeah, like, way I mean, back. yeah like they i mean they were dropping stuff Chevy and Wiz was dropping, were dropping mixtapes in like 06, mm-hmm. 07. Yeah. You know, it's 2018. I mean, and they're still rocking. And that's very, very rare. Very rare. In this industry. And just in life in general, man. It's something that, you know, you don't take for granted. So, like, I see a lot of the same qualities with my team. Mm-hmm. You know, we, uh, we, 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 we've been coming up together for the better part of seven, eight years. And just the progress that we've made. And, you know... It's just the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it was just the same. You know, it was like very similar for that. You know, you, you see, I, I, as in, you know, just as a general public, like we see the, 
the rise yeah. of an artist. We see when we, at the at their peak, like when they when they blow. You don't see the background. We usually don't see the all the hours that go into that moment. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people say, like, "Oh, the first time I heard Wiz, Black and Yellow," mm-hmm. or "Cushion Orange Juice," or whatever. Or, oh, the first time I heard Mac Miller, Donald Trump, or Blue Slap Park, or like whatever. Or whoever the artist might be, um, but you don't see the all of the groundwork that goes into that, and like as how much you sacrifice and. Um, you know what I mean? That's what I want to highlight, you know, with, with, with my guys is like, um, you know, the polished image that we see and sort of like where the music is or where the artistry is now is great. But like, just there's just so much that led up to that. And then we want to take everything that we're doing now and we just want to elevate that and just elaborate on that. So, so on that point, was there ever a moment or moments on that, um, you know, in the past where you and your guys, your team were just like wanting to quit? Um, or were you always just so determined? Uh, you know, what what was that like? Man, I, I think that I think that everybody, everybody has those moments where they want to give up. And I yeah. think I think that that's when you have to push through. look in the mirror and realize that that's. That you're about like there's about there's about to be a breakthrough. Oh, yeah. Like when whenever you feel like that, there's something like, big. Something, yeah, something big is happening. Yeah. So, you know, that's still we those feelings still happen. Mm. You know, I'll just I'll be transparent to say that for sure. I yeah. mean, it's like you know, some days are better than others, but like you gotta like, you gotta dig deep in everything you do. So like one thing, you know, and and, and we'll kind of get to the other things that I do. You know, I don't want to go. I don't want to leave here without touching on that. But like. One thing that has always been a constant in my life, you know, with just being, um, you know, just from uh, just multi multi heritage, multi backgrounds, mm-hmm. um, I view myself as a liaison, as a as as a as a bridge between different cultures. I've always looked at myself like that. When I was young, growing up, like I realized that I had cousins on my dad's side that I could have a conversation with and connect with. And then I had cousins on my mom's side that I could have a conversation to connect with. But if those cousins on my mom and dad's side met and tried to talk to each other, it'd be like, nah. <laughs> it would be like different, it would just be like literally different languages being spoke. So mm-hmm. I started, as I started to become a man, I started to understand that that was a, that was a gift mm-hmm. that God gave me. Okay. You know, being able to communicate with different people from different walks of life and be able to connect with them on certain things. Yeah. So anything that I do in my professional career or my creative career, I try to keep it I, I try to keep it true to my beliefs. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I don't condone like a lot of the negative hip hop and rock and roll or any music out there that's detrimental because I was a 16 year old kid listening to detrimental hip hop and I remember what it did to me Mm. how it influenced me so the artists that I represent they represent unity bringing people together people having fun people you know relieving stress and just positive things you know what I mean like when you go to a concert you escape from you know the stressors of the of of your everyday life music is a is is a language we all speak mm. and 
that's why I do the music, man. That's why I love it. Um, I contribute in the studio as much as I can. I contribute on stage, on tours. You know, if you've ever if you've ever seen any of our shows, or you know, I try to. Um, I mean, I don't. I'm not the artist, but I just try to. And it's all about energy. It is, yeah. And that's and that's and that's my spirit, man. That's my energy, man. I like I like to see people have fun. I like you know. I always say like. Don't come around us if you're cool. Like if you're too cool, like if you're if you're the shit, if you got an ego, like you probably won't, you probably won't like co- co- like collab. Like just it won't buy. It won't, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just not gonna. We're probably not gonna click. But if you are, um, you know, just open minded and like to have a good time and just like just do dope, just 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 do dope shit, then we'll probably have a blast. So professionally. And then from a creative standpoint, that's always how I've been. Now I'm seeing my professional career and creative and, and my creative side starting to come together. So I have different projects that I work on um, through my own company, which is called AGS Consulting. My real my name is Andrew Stein. Mm-hmm. I go by Drew, but so AGS is, are my initials. Consulting. AGS Consulting. I actually started it back in 2012. When I was working, I was doing W-9 contracted work with the law firm I was working with in West Palm Beach. And I needed to I needed a sole proprietorship to get paid. So I was like, well, AGS consulting. <laughs> you know what Simple I'm saying? Like, it wasn't too much of one of that. So I started that. And um, all of the you know initiatives that I've worked on since, I just use that as my umbrella. But I've worked with some amazing clients, um, you know, Taylor Gang, Atlantic. I mean, that was an amazing experience. I've worked with Sprint uh, Corporate on the CL accounts, the business side. I learned a lot about the telecommunications industry, so it's just like a random skill now at this point. But <laughs> so, what is it now that you're? You know, what's your your project now? Um, so my project, you know, full time is always going to be Chris Hollis, mm-hmm. Chris Dreamer. Yeah. Shout out Chris Dreamer too. Um, for anybody doesn't, whoever, anybody that doesn't know, Chris Dreamer is a producer from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, he, I've known Chris Dreamer since like 2012. You meet him through partying? What? No, I met him through KH. Oh, I met okay. him through Chris Hollis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dreamer was making beats for KH way back in the day. Makes sense. And honestly, like the whole the whole most grill. So there are other artists in most grill. You got Truly AP, um, and then you also have MOS Bundy. Um, those those guys are both going to be coming coming out real soon. But but those are the other artists. But then you have producers. So there's Chris Dreamer, Justin Seco, um, another guy by the name of Cook, C- CJB. He's a he's a beast. And then, um, am I forgetting anybody? If I forgot anybody, I'm sorry. It's it's, it's all love, man. It's been, <laughs> it's been just been pretty burnt out traveling. But anyways, I always saw something. I always saw something in uh in Dreamer, and um, you know, I wanted to be more hands on with him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I started uh, representing him as a client uh, about a year ago, and. Um, he has a he has big things in his future. Recently, he play, had a placement on Rolling Papers Two, mm. um, on Wiz's new album. He produced all of a sudden um, toward the end of the album uh, with co-production from Sledgen, and that was just a great experience. We learned a lot 
um, just on the business side um, for a producer. And it was just a great experience to work with someone that had, you know, signed and given another artist of mine such a great opportunity and who we've toured with. And, um, you know, Wiz is, is just genuinely a good person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in the industry, it's just kind of hard to find that. So shout out Wiz, um, you know, for just being a real one and picking that picking that song to go on his album. The OG. Um, yeah, I think that's a, I love that song. And they've got a lot more stuff they're working on. But with Chris Dreamer, man, I want to get him. Just expect big things, man. I'm talking like video games, soundtracks, and um, movies and everything like that. I want TV shows. I want to get his beats all over the place because they are dope. Okay. They're super dope, man. So, so what is it? Look, what it, what are you looking for in artists? You know, is there something particular? Or is it just someone that um, is like minded and you see potential in? Um, that's a question I get all the time. Um, it's weird, man. It's like I'm never like looking for artists. You just attract them. But yeah, it's just like well, here, here's what happens because there was an artist who I won't name that I was. I actually offered him a management deal too, and then it ended up not going through, but just for various reasons. But I was working with that artist like, just like on a pro bono basis. Like that's how I like to work. I like to work with someone where it's like not all about like, oh, how much money or how much money are you going to make from this, or how much money am I going to make? Like, it's like, do do you genuinely mess with what? Do you genuinely mess with what I'm doing? This dude's fried. Do you genuinely <laughs> do you genuinely mess with what I'm doing, dude? And is it is it mutual? Mm. You know what I mean. And then like the relationship grows from there. And then once it starts, once you start really penetrating the market, then you can start talking about like the business side of it. And everything that I do is industry standard. You know, as far as like what I like, what my cut is like as a manager, because it's not about the money, like. I invest time, I invest resources into my artists because these these guys are my friends and I want to see them succeed in life. So every success that they have is, is a success for me. Um, so full-time, that's like a number one initiative for me. Um, I'm also doing uh, some work with Uncle Nearest Whiskey. Is this what's sitting um, over here right now? Yeah, I brought, I, I brought a bottle by. I wanted to just like introduce you guys to the brand okay. if you weren't familiar it's um really starting to take off here in indianapolis and just abroad i mean here in the here in north america and they're in some international markets so i'll just give you a quick rundown of uh how i got uh connected with them and For sort sure. of uh what they do yeah um so uncle nearest was the nickname of a gentleman who grew up and lived in the 1800s uh, his name was Nathan Green. That was his real name. He was born in D.C. And it's not known uh, when he became a slave, but at some point he became a slave in the 1800s. He was uh, living in Lynchburg, Tennessee, right? And he was a distiller on, on, on the Dan Call farm okay. in Lynchburg. The significance of the Dan the Dan Call Farm is that um, Dan Call the Dan Call Farm is where Jack Daniel's whiskey was founded. Gotcha. Yeah. So in 1856, and 
you see that all over the label. That's it's Uncle Nearest eighteen fifty six. That's the name of the of the legacy brand and the spirit is because in eighteen fifty six, a thirty six year old uh, Nathan Nearest Green Nearest was his nickname. Everyone called him that. Uh, he met a then twelve year old Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels had just run away from home. So he wasn't, Jack Daniels wasn't born on a damn call farm. He was born next door and he ran away from home. Uh, I believe when his mother passed away, he ran away from home. But in the 1800s, you didn't get too far. So he just moved into the next, yeah, he moved across the street like, yeah, I ran away from home. (laughs) So he moved into this farm, damn call farm, and he met Nathan Green in 1856 as a 12 year old boy. Nathan Green was the master distiller on his farm, and him and his crew, they were making this Tennessee gold, this charcoal mellowed whiskey that was just like super popular. Excuse me. So um, what ended up happening was that about about 20 years later, uh, Dan Call was actually a preacher. Okay. His congregation, they found out that he was sort of like, selling his booze under the table so it became like this big controversy they're like hold on man you're gonna have to choose a spirit yeah (laughs) it's gonna be the holy spirit or this other spirit you you can't yeah the juice (laughs) you're gonna have to pick one so dan call chose his congregation and he gave the business to jack daniels young entrepreneur but remember, Jack Daniels said, hey, this is Nathan Green. He taught me everything that I know, and he's the best whiskey maker that I know. Nathan Green taught Jack Daniels everything there was to know about charcoal mellowed whiskey. And he's credited as the man who perfected the famous Lincoln County process. The Lincoln County process is where you... Uh, distilled bourbon through char, uh, sugar maple coal. Mm-hmm. All Tennessee whiskeys must go through that process to be considered a Tennessee whiskey. So Nathan Green perfected that process, and um, the CEO of, of Uncle Nearest was actually able to substantiate that that process. It, it traced all the way back to West Africa. Mm-hmm. It was all, and it was a process they used to purify the water to clean their food. Um, so yeah, it was a uh, it. It's just an incredible story. Jack Daniels, he formed Jack Daniels Whiskey in 1875, and he appointed none other than Nathan Green as his first master distiller, making him the United, the, the, the first African-American master distiller on record in the United States. Now, Nathan, Mr. Green, Mr. Nearest Green, he passes away. Jack Daniels passes away for whatever reason. And Jack Daniels, I mean, he, they had so, such admiration for Nearest Green. He paid Nearest Green what he paid his white employees. Nearest Green was one of the most wealthy African-Americans in the United States and in the South. Really? And uh, yeah, and um, his children were master distillers for Jack Daniels and their children. And yeah, it was just incredible. But when Nathan, when, when Nathan and Jack passed away, when Nearest and Jack passed away, um, there was just no one. There, were, there, there was no one left to um, carry it on. To, to yeah, to carry 
Mr. Green's legacy and for whatever reason his story was lost in time and his contribution was lost in time and for 160 years you know Jack Daniels went on to become the name brand Jack Daniels yeah well I mean one of the most noticeable and well respected brands in the world Mm -hmm. and the most I mean, obviously the most famous Tennessee whiskey and one of the most famous spirits that there is um, and nearest green lost in time. Mm. About five years ago, um, our CEO, she unearthed this story. She, she, her name is, uh, her name's Fawn Weaver. She's an amazing, an amazing uh, author, a New York Times bestselling author. She is a historian and She's the chief historian um, that was on this project, and she discovered and, and made all and, and, and made all of these um, finds. She actually went in. Her and her husband went into Tennessee. They um, purchased the Dan Call Farm, where Jack Daniels grew up, and they were able to, able to go in with a team of historians and other archaeologists. They were able to substantiate that um, that nearest green, in fact was the man who taught Jack Daniels how to make whiskey. So That's crazy. Yeah. What? <laughs> so this is a so so the spirit is in honor of him. It's the first spirit on the market that has ever been named after an African American. Mm. Period. How long has this been on the market? Since July of 2017. Okay. Uh the the brand launched in Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. and it is um I think it's up to clear up over 40 states now where it's available. Um, Indianapolis is one of our newer markets. Um, so I'm an, I'm an ambassador for Indianapolis and also I work in, as an ambassador over in Pittsburgh too. So how did you get affiliated with them? Um, just, I was actually in Los Angeles and um, was introduced to the brand and uh, I immediately connected with the brand mm-hmm. and it was was that through at the, the beginning stages? Because of the people, because of the story, everything. Okay. Yeah. Once I once I got once once I started to realize just how significant this 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 story was, and just the brand, and I tasted the spirit. The spirit's amazing. The master distiller for Uncle Nearest worked under worked at Jack Daniels for thirty one years. Mm. Um, she's an incredible master distiller. She oversaw the the. The culmination, culmination of our of Uncle Nearest. It's a four-year aged uh, whiskey. It's named one of the top five whiskeys in the world. Um, it has 95 points with Whiskey Advocate, which is a very well-respected rating. It took the gold medal at the San Francisco Spirits Competition in 2018, which is a very, very prestigious award. Um, so, and here in Indianapolis, you can find it at. I mean, all over Kroger, uh, Big Red Liquors, Payless Liquors, uh, Crown, and then um, downtown you can get it at Bankers Life Fieldhouse at a Pacers game. You can get get it at um, Saint Elmo Steakhouse. Um, a lot of steakhouses around the city, but yeah, it's available all throughout Indy. Um, but you know, it's an honor to be a, just to be a piece. A small piece to their puzzle and to help um, spread this amazing story, which is correcting the American history. That is so. It, it's crazy. It's correcting American history. 
It's a legacy brand, ultra legacy brand, ultra premium. Um, and it is just, there's just an amazing cause. And, um, you know, I truly feel like, you know, in your liquor cabinet or, you know, if you have a bar or restaurant, you have that bottle of Johnny Walker, you have that bottle of Jack Daniels, you have that bottle of Uncle Nearest Whiskey. Um, because he's one of the forefathers and uh, we just want to make sure that, you know, his, uh, his story is told. So that's dope, man. Yeah. We're so have to try some of that yeah, absolutely. Things. I'll check everybody's ID. And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, but yeah, stay tuned um, for, we're going to be doing like a lot of really cool events in Indy. We've already done some awesome ones over at Goodfellas Pizza. They have a back bar called the Wise Guy Lounge. Okay. We did a tasting there. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. We did a tasting at the Living Room Lounge downtown. We did a big tasting at uh, Bankers Life Fieldhouse for the Pacers season opener. Okay. Um, against the Grizzlies down at the Lightbound Courtside Bar. That was a lot of fun. But we're just going to continue to... Build the momentum. Yeah, just look for like-minded uh, businesses and where we can tell this story um, and, you know... Indianapolis is, uh, it seems like Indianapolis is up and coming. It's, yeah, it, and, and it's receiving, receiving the brand very well. Mm. But this is, uh, the, the people of Indianapolis, they, they like their bourbons, they like their whiskeys. <laughs> and, you know, we're two hours from Louisville, four yeah. hours from Nashville. True. People forget, you know, just how close Indianapolis is. So a lot of great spirits are distilled here in Indiana, and um, they're just, very knowledgeable when it comes to so when I go out and tell the story um, to to folks, they're just they I mean it's, they're blown like, yeah it's oh. yeah it's just like whoa wait a minute and then you you start to do the legwork and the research and then you see and 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 there's parts of the story that I wasn't even able to go into I mean it's just such a rich history um, you know behind this brand and. Um, you know, it's just great to see the success that the company's having. And I think sky's the limit for the brand. Um, and, you know, sky's the limit for, you know, just I feel like this city, mm-hmm. sky's the limit for you guys. Shout out Novelty Growth. Right on you as well, man. Yeah, man. You guys are, I really like what you guys are doing. It reminds me, and I, you know, I, I know a lot of uh, a lot of the guys in Novelty Growth, but I told them, um, I think we were all chilling a couple weeks ago. It might have been a month ago. And I told them, I said, yeah, you guys really are reminding me of like what I was doing in Pittsburgh, mm. you know, where I was doing different types of events. Like it wasn't just like parties. Like I was doing concerts. I was doing, we did fashion shows. Like we did all this kind of stuff. And it's like so many things, some branch out from that. You know, my friend from college, like he, he now is managing Earth Gang and, JID and these guys and he he became really good friends with Mac Miller. Mm. Mac Miller had a label called We Remember Music. Zeke was the creative director for that label. So like it just goes back, man, like to just see him go down that road and then, you know, I was able to be integral in KH's career and help and help Chris and you know, he ended up working with Wiz and signing with Taylor Gang and he's been on international tours and we've we have a single out right now man his and hers which is just tearing it's tearing shit up man this is it's really doing well and um you know i just love to see that and i feel like now i'll kind of i'll leave you guys with this 
But I really, it, it, it all goes back to my initial point to where if you keep everything grounded in passion, right? And it's like, I'm going to take these projects on because I truly feel connected to them and I want to see them succeed because they resonate with me. Mm. As opposed to, I'm going to make all this money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think your quality of life is a lot better. You breathe a lot easier. You sleep better at night. And not to say, I'm not trying to sit here and preach or say I have it all figured out because I don't. I make mistakes every single day. It's a learning process. But it's like, I through the madness, man, through the hocus pocus, <laughs> I, I, I definitely can see like like the vision clear now like so what is that that's the one question that i've been dying to ask you you know you've man. been you've been doing all this you're found your your core is that collaboration networking you're a humble dude i see a lot of big things in your future man i appreciate that man for sure um so what is that vision that you see for yourself um you know i think the vision um that i have for myself and like any anybody that I affiliate myself with or work with or any client of mine or just friend of mine, if I call you a friend, I think the I think the vision and the goal is long is just longevity, man. Mm. I think that's 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 the word, man. Longevity. And in order to achieve longevity, you have to have a strong foundation. And you have to it has to come from the heart. And it has you have to. It has to come from a place of passion. Mm. Longevity does not. You don't. You don't experience longevity as an artist or as a brand or as any, just as a businessman or anything like that by just trying to appease everyone or be a jack. Try to be this jack of all trades or, you know, do people wrong. You know, do things in bad faith. That all catches up with you. You know, like I, I was before the interview, we were uh, we were kind of talking, you and I, and I was kind of saying like, um, my like happy-go-lucky like young self, one who wanted to collaborate with everybody and work with everybody. Like, I had people steal ideas from me. I had people undermine me and undercut me for like try to work with the people I was working with, or you know, like I said, just like just do wrong, just. It just operate in bad faith, but like, I never, I never want to become jaded by that. I just want to, like, what are they doing now? And I, and I don't want to know. Like, I, you know, I'm not, gonna, I'm not trying to say like, oh, like, I hope that they're not doing. It. I'm just saying like, you know, that karma, it, it normally doesn't pan out well because any mistake that I've made or anything where I was like did something out of like just a, where I just didn't do the, I just didn't act out of the right place it has a, it has a way of coming back always <laughs> yeah it's gonna come back so it's like whatever you do stay grounded in that in that passion in good faith do everything in good faith and it will work out for you even if you don't have all the money in the world even if you can't do all the things you wanna do you know you will be able to do them they will happen like the door open and you won't even know how it opened. I remember our first international tour we went on, we went to New Zealand and Australia. KH and I, we were in LA 
we literally were like about to come back to the East Coast and I got an email that was like, yo, like the the wire just went through like for your guys' sponsorship um, and the label was like, we got your flights. Like they were like, Drew, you have to clear Chris for, for customs. You guys are going to New Zealand tonight. What was that moment like? Bro, we were sitting in my rental car and we were just like, fuck. <laughs> we were just like, <laughs> we were like, whoa. Yeah. And this man, it was one of the coolest experiences ever, man. I went out there with my homie DJ Afterthought. Shout out DJ Afterthought. It's a good friend of mine. And that's actually who we're going on the road with next month. Where are you going? We're going to we'll kick it off in Cincinnati. Um, and then we have a show at the University of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. We we'll do Arkansas State. And then we're going to Nashville for a private show. But just a little mini, you know, this is like a nice little fall kickoff to promote the single. But uh, DJ Afterthought, he was managing uh, and DJing for Riff Raff at the time. Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> we we, uh, we were uh, on tour with, with him, but we had like, it was like our own, we promoted it as like our own tour. But That's dope. It was super dope. Afterthought is from Pittsburgh. Gotcha. So like he is an integral part of like what goes on out there. Like we're all very closely connected in Pittsburgh. So like... He has a song from he has a song with Chris Dreamer. They have a super dope song. It's called Smoked Out. Everyone should go check that out. Spotify Apple Music is super dope. Um, yeah, shout out Afterthought, man. That's my guy. Um, and yeah, man, the moment the moment was awesome. And it was just one of the coolest experiences that I had, man. Uh, they show Americans a lot of love in New Zealand and Australia, man. They they really enjoy. Uh, the American like hip hop culture and just the music, and they man they we were just very well received out there, and to this day like when we put out music, we see Australia and New Zealand show up on streaming on a uh, streaming reports. We they they buy merch, they uh, like our posts on social media. They DM us like the DJs out there like they fuck with us like. That's love, bro. Mm-hmm. Like you know, so any, and it just it go. It's, it's like a testament to how I feel, just as a businessman, and just like I just love to collaborate, and show love the same way. So let's all try to um, here in Indianapolis. I'm a huge supporter of the city. I know it has a long way to go, but what you guys are doing is very much needed for the city, and it's a breath of fresh air. So. I wish you guys nothing but um, the most success. And uh, yeah, let's all work together on just keeping Indianapolis dope. 100%, bro. Yeah. It's all about elevating the people in this city yeah. and the city as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see us doing a lot of big things together, bro. Yeah, well, I mean, it made perfect sense to come chop it up with you guys. So I hope that if, you know, whoever is tuning in or whoever sees or hears this interview, you know, I just hope you're able to take something away from it, from somebody that is just figuring it out. As oh, I go along. <laughs> that's the thing with with this platform, with this podcast. I mean, we're you know we're gonna have some listeners, but even I took away something from your story. You that's know? awesome. I'm glad to hear that, bro. Um, and it was really cool sitting down, talking to you, getting to know you a little on a little deeper level. Um, definitely kick it soon. Yeah. Hope yeah, you come yeah. back. And uh, no, nah, for sure. Um, as Landon knows, uh, uh, Chris Hollis, like he comes out here. Every so often and every time he comes, man, it's like a big party. We'll do like a do a concert, we'll do like an after party. Bad. So you guys are all invited. 
hint, hint, we're, uh, we might be cooking something up. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys, you guys are doing that stuff. Right on. Right. Um, so is there anything before we go, you know, I have one last question I want to ask you. What's problem? Um, you know, for everyone out there, what inspires you? You know, there's listening to you. I, I can, I feel like I could name a bunch of things that inspire you, but if you were to get asked that question, you know, what inspires you? What would that be? What inspires me? I think what inspires me above everything is seeing people come together. Mm. There are a lot of bad things that are happening in this country and in this world. And there have always been. Since I was born, since we were all born. I mean, you know, it's when you don't focus on that and you focus on the things that we have in common and the things that bring us together, music, good times, good people, good drinks, just create these memories with each other. And once you focus on that, all of that other negative, all, all the negativity, it kind of like rears its head out of your life because it is like, because it's like such a sore, it's, it sticks out like a sore thumb once you focus on what brings people together. When someone comes in the room and they have that hatefulness to them or like they're just, they have an ulterior motive or whatever, like it's easier to spot that. Yeah, you can feel that. Yeah, you can just feel that energy. So like I would say that inspires me more than anything, whether I, it's an it's, it's a artist, it's a musician, it's a politician, it's a, you know, public figure or somebody that is passed away. Somebody that who I um, look up to very much is Bob Marley. And I was just talking to a friend of mine when I was in L.A. about Bob Marley. And um, what I noticed is a, a lot of my friends are listening to Bob Marley. And I didn't, like right now, and I had been listening to a lot of Bob. I had been listening to a whole bunch of Marley. And I thought I was just on my own island, like listening to all this Marley. I'm like, damn. Why have I wanted to listen to artist Bob Marley lately? And uh, y'all like Bob Marley? <laughs> yeah, they gave me the thumbs up. <laughs> but no, I'm like, why have I been listening to artist Bob Marley lately? And then I talked to my friends. And well, I was with my one friend the other night, and uh, there was the, uh, she was just like, um, she was like listening to Bob Marley, and I'm just like, I'm like y'all been listening to a lot of Marley, and, and she was just like, yeah, I just really feel like the time, like the, like this is what I need to hear, like. During this time, you know, there's so much, just so much turmoil. And he was just a, 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 an advocator for positivity and bringing people together. And it's crazy how he's gone and he's passed away, yet his voice... His energy still... It's still here. Yeah. And it's like his everything down to his voice. You still hear him. You still feel him. And what he stood for is still relevant to this day. Talk about inspiration. That's inspiring. Yeah. So I'm sure he didn't have everything figured out, but he knew what he didn't like, and he knew what he knew what he felt like was wrong, and he spoke out against those things. So you know, use your voice for to you know for what's right, and I think that we can all inspire each other. Facts. I mean, because like when I see the youth going hard, sometimes harder than me, that inspires me too. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and vice versa, man. I've, I, I get so many opportunities to meet young artists and young people. And 
it's like I can give them an immediate advantage. I could be like, yo, like stay out the streets, man. Like there's nothing there. Or, you know, get your degree. Or like this person is trying to talk down on you because you're working at McDonald's or you're working a night job doing whatever. That's that's not what you need in your life, dude. At the end of the day, you're getting a check. You're getting money. Now take that and invest it. You know, like, that's what I want to be for people. I want to let people know, like, when people are being negative and, and, like, crappy toward you, like, don't let that affect you. Like, don't be self-conscious about that because it says more about that person than it will ever say about you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So... That's dope, bro. Keep doing it. You're doing it already. I appreciate you. Um, you know, novelty growth, novelty uh, voice podcasts. Use your voice for positivity. Let's do it. Thank you.